Awesome. I think I've, maybe Andrew's notes from this morning are still on here, so I might preach his sermon. <laughs> uh, no, it's good, good to be here, good to be in uh, the presence of God with other people who are wanting to know and see God. Uh, today is Thanksgiving Sunday, and so there, there's naturally going to be a, a sense, a heart of wanting to be um, thankful, or at least know uh, what it is to have a heart that is thankful and filled with thanksgiving. Um, I um, have been away the last week in Sydney with my, um, for my mum's birthday with my, my family, and I don't live at home still. I was, I'm married, I've got kids, we went away as an extended family, um, and uh, not that it's bad to be living at home <laughs> anyway. Um, so for my mum's birthday, we were, we were out at Sydney, and... Um, um, on her birthday, we decided, look, why don't we, as, as the children, and by we, I mean um, my sister and my wife, cook her dinner uh, and do something nice for it. It's really hard to do dinner when you're in a place that you don't know. You've got to reset all the groceries. You don't know the kitchen. Nothing works the same way. And I have to admit, what was done uh, wasn't up to scratch. It was pretty bad, and we all knew it, um, but... I, it's that awkward thing that you do with your mum where it's like the thought that counts. Um, but we, we had everything prepared and a miracle happened actually because there was some friends that we were staying next to uh, who got invited to a Thanksgiving dinner, like a proper Thanksgiving dinner, like because the, the, these people, uh, this lady had just got married to an American and they were over from the States and she wanted to do a full Thanksgiving, like a proper Thanksgiving dinner with, um, with pumpkin pie, uh, the full shebang. Uh, but she did this incredible meal, a lot better than what we did, and cooked too much. There was so much. So they, um, this couple invited these friends who we're also friends with and said, if you know anyone who, who's wanting dinner tonight or uh, needs a family or something like that, uh, invite them over as well. So we got invited over. And rather than going, well, no, it's mum's birthday and we want to do something special, we were like, yes, we need this. Um, so we went over and it was an incredible dinner. And then mum got to have happy birthday sung to her like by, by 30, 40 people, uh, which was incredible. Uh, and, and we came off looking like uh, the most incredible children. Uh, but I was just reminded of the way that God does things, um, there's abundance. And... After coming off the back of that, there was, there was real gratitude in, in our hearts, a real thankfulness uh, to be a part of that, to enjoy good food, to enjoy good company, to celebrate mum. Uh, we were all filled with thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had anyone um, say to you, um, you know, almost encourage you to be thankful uh, given your situation, maybe you were in a tough situation, maybe you are in a tough situation, and someone's come up to you and said, look, you, sh- you, know, you should be thankful that things aren't worse. Uh, it's not, not a great encouragement, actually. I sort of imagine Job's friends um, saying that to him when he was in a, in a very bad way. Uh, but this, this scene for me while we were away was a picture for me of thankfulness is a lot more than... Um, just trying to, trying to conjure up some sort of thankfulness uh, with your current situation. Thankfulness is actually about a person. Um, Andrew, this morning, if you were here, spoke around um, King David and 
his graciousness, his love, his kindness that he showed um, to a subject uh, who most kings would have considered an enemy. And there's this beautiful picture of thankfulness needing uh, or, or revolving around a person. Uh, thanksgiving revolving around a person. If, if you know someone to be kind and generous and good, to be in contact with that person, to be around that person, will naturally fill you with gratitude, will naturally fill you with a sense of thanksgiving. Um, Andrew talked about King David because there's a picture there um, that is very similar to the picture of who God is. Um, King David comes, becomes king, and most kings of the time would be seeking to solidify their own empire, to self-aggrandize, to uh, secure their own bloodlines. And King David, as he comes into, uh, as he becomes king, he actually asks for all of the family of the previous king um, to be brought to him, if there are any surviving members. And if you've, uh, if you've watched any gruesome uh, TV shows like uh, Game of Thrones or anything like that, th- there's a lot of political um, play and usually if a, a new power comes in, they're just going to wipe out anyone who's a threat to them. So the call uh, for this family to be brought to him in any other situation would be a source of dread. And in fact, the family does take it in that way and they, and they flee. But all David was wanting to do was actually show kindness and almost reinstate the honor for this family. It goes to show that depending on who you see someone to be, depending on who in in this scenario the king is, it changes everything. If you think the king is something that he's not, uh, uh, the way that this this particular family member did, then it's going to fill you with dread and fear and it puts you in a situation where, where life is actually a burden. And yet, if, if he were to know who David was, he would actually come into his presence and receive all that David had for him. God, in fact, presents himself as this king, this sovereign, the one who has all good things, the one who in his very nature is love, is goodness, who, who cannot do anything but good to anyone or anything, everyone and everything. And he is the one who not only desires good, but has all power to enact that good. And he's revealed himself in Jesus. The beautiful thing about Jesus is he comes to earth and he shows a way of living that Um, reveals to us what it looks like to be in relationship with God, what it means to be in relation to a a king who has power and ability and goodwill towards his children. On this holiday that uh, we were on, I've got a two and a half year old and a four month old and then a couple of other uh, of his cousins and it quickly became apparent that holidaying with those sort of that age bracket is more like a butler service to them having a holiday. Um, we, we're really good with routine at our, at our home, particularly when it comes to eating. Like when, when, it's, when it's time to eat, you sit at the table and you eat. And if you don't eat 
at the table, then you're not going to get to eat uh, when you're doing other activities. Doesn't matter how hungry you are. We're not cruel. That's just it. Just kids need that. Okay, uh, trust me. Uh, and and so we 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 usually do that, but. Um, it's sort of easy to do that at home because you know what the distractions are and you can sort of curb those distractions. But when you're on holiday, everything's new and everything's great. And it's, almost, it's, it's practically impossible uh, to, to have a child sit and eat. They sit there, they sort of nibble, but they're thinking about just getting about and doing all these other things. Um, so what, you're, what, what, what the holiday ends up looking like is you have a quick meal time and then they go around running, and you follow them around just sticking food into their mouth. It's an incredible butler service. It made me actually think, how can I get in on the action? How is it possible to somehow live life in that way, in a way that I'm not necessarily worried about what I, what I need to eat, uh, not, not, not trying to sustain myself, but just being able to get on with um, the, the, the main part of life, the joy of life, and know that everything is taken care of. There would be huge thankfulness, huge gratitude in, in that way of, of living. It, it, the, the whole life would entail gratitude. In fact, I found myself, not, not, it wasn't a chore for me as I was doing that. I actually found that I was filled with the spirit of thankfulness and thanksgiving as I watched it happen. I, I, I almost felt an invitation to participate into it. Uh, my mom, um, she, she didn't um, agree, so I didn't get to participate, but... Um, Matthew 6 is where we're turning to, and Jesus is actually going to give a picture of what it looks like to be a child of God. And the beautiful thing is that um, you may see this in Jesus. Jesus comes to earth, and he lives life in such a way that that shows that ease. He he seems to um, uh, live life without a a sense of care for, for problems, not because he's oblivious to them, He's very aware of them. He's confronted by them. But his, his understanding of who his father is and his relation to his father is such that it just allows a complete ease of life and a freedom and, in fact, changes what the situation looks like. Just like um, if, you, if you saw, like what, we, what I was talking about earlier, if you saw the king to be someone who was out to, to get you, to take you out, then life would be a burden. It would actually entail you needing to sustain yourself. But but Jesus sees his father, the king of all kings, as someone who's looking after his every need, and more than that. And so we see the freedom he lives in. The beautiful thing about this passage is Jesus is not just going, this is, this is how I live my life. He's actually speaking to a multitude of people, a crowd of people, and saying, this is how you should live, given the reality of who your father is, given the reality of who, who God is. And so this is what he says. Let's turn, turn there. I will come up on the screen. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Beautiful passage. This is what Jesus says to the crowd. This is what the Spirit is saying to us even now. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field 
of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There's a beautiful picture there that I think comes so naturally to children who, who have a safe and secure base. Uh, they're, they're running around. Um, joy seems to come from within. For us, the holiday looked like planning good things that we wanted to do so that we could get joy out of doing those things or seeing particular things. And so we would do that. We would plan these different things and uh, we would find ourselves in the Blue Mountains or we would be at museums or zoos and in the end, you ask yourself, why, why did we even go anywhere other than just stay at home? Because the joy that the children seem to have is the same, is equal everywhere, whether they're driving from one place to another or whether they're actually on location. The joy is not in the experience of something outside of them, but they have something, they have this understanding, they've come into contact with, with a, a security and a joy that just overflows out from them. This is the reality that Jesus is speaking over this crowd, and it's the very words that he speaks over us. The interesting thing is that it's easy to write these words off. They're, they're, so, they're so beautiful. They're so um, all um, encasing of every, every scenario, of every possible thing. Jesus, Jesus is saying, Blanket, a blanket statement, do not worry. He's not just saying don't worry about your most basic needs because they'll be met. He's, he's covering the most basic needs and he's saying even the, the most grand needs, the most grand desires, even clothing as Solomon had clothing is nothing compared to what the father gives to his children and how he looks after his children. It's easy to hear those words, to even love those words, to, to even acknowledge the beauty of those words or, or the, the possibility perhaps, but to say that's not the case though in the real world. That's not the case in my life. Maybe for someone else, but, but not for me. That's not my experience. That's, that's not the world as I know it. I, um, I speak um, a little bit of Portuguese and, and, and sometimes a, a word will come to me in Portuguese and I will um, try and do the translation into English. A lot of times it's really just you, you, change, you change the way you say it and then it's effectively the English word because uh, there's a lot of Latin words in English and um, Portuguese is a Latin-based language. But anyway, um, this word came to me while I was reading this passage and the word in Portuguese just means ease. Uh, it, 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 it's this, this state of, of being where, where things come easy 
and uh, there's, no, there's no hardship about it. It's just, it's just a, a state of ease. And, and I did the translation, and I, and I actually realized, yeah, this is, this is actually a word in English. I know this word. But I'm pretty sure it doesn't mean this really nice, positive sense of ease. Usually, it has a, it, it has a negative connotation. So I looked it up, and this is the word. It's facile. Uh, it's a good English lesson for you here. It'll come up on the screen, I hope, or else you're just going to hear me speaking definitions. Okay. You're going to hear me speaking definitions. Oh, there we go. Great. So the first definition, this is, if you've ever used this word, probably not, um, is um, ignoring the complexities. It's an, it's an adjective, so describing something. Ignoring the complexities of an issue, superficial. It's, it's, a, it's an oversimplification. It's a state of, of, of probably not understanding things uh, and, and seeing things at a surface level. It would be very easy, just as easy as it is for us, for the crowd in Jesus' day, who certainly do know hunger, who certainly do know sickness and hardship and pain and suffering, to hear these words being spoken over them and go, beautiful, but not reality. In fact, the, the words have to be an oversimplification. You don't understand the complexities, Jesus, of everyday life. It would be very easy for them to say that. Very easy, perhaps, for us, given the, the, the life that you've known in your personal life, the things that perhaps are even confronting you right now. Very easy to go, yeah, beautiful but not reality. They might even look to Scripture and go, yes, beautiful picture of, of living like birds. I don't know if you've ever um, thought of living like a bird. That was like a, a, a child fantasy of mine of going, I, I just wish I was a bird. For some reason, like my life, I get it now. I look at my, my son at, at the age of two and a half and I go, that's really the peak of life. I felt that. Probably at five years of age, I was like, I'm past my peak. I've, like, I don't have that, that continual joy and just ease of life. Life is starting to actually involve responsibility and schools coming up and all these sort of things. And, 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 and there's, there's almost this sense of, oh, okay, things are, things are not ever going to become easier from now on. They're going to involve more responsibility, more weight. And yes, you might find glimpses of joy, but you're never going to go back to that place where you were when you were two and a half years old and joy just came freely. Um, and so, for me, I was like, I, I, I remember tangibly doing this as a child, looking at the birds and just going, probably even before I read this passage, um, going, I, I wish I was a bird. Like, wouldn't life just be a lot easier? There's just so much complexity at five years old. And I don't know what, what I thought was so complex about life, but um, uh, I, I do remember just feeling that. Just thinking that there's 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 just an e birds just singing, going about its business. Life just seems easy. It just knows what it's doing. Uh, everything everything just comes naturally. And perhaps the people in Jesus' day could even quote scripture and go, "Well, you you're wrong, Jesus, because this is what it says in in Genesis three when when sin entered the world." And God's speaking to Adam, this is what it says in Genesis 3, cursed is the ground because of you, 
Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Much more, perhaps, in accord with what we would say, that that sounds more like what our world is. That sounds more like my experience. If there's good to be had, if there's sustenance to be had, it has to be worked for, and it has to be by the sweat of our brow. It has to be difficult, it has to be hard. Perhaps that could have been quoted to Jesus. Perhaps the Pharisees did quote that to Jesus. And yet the reality that Jesus knew and was speaking over the crowd was different. This is the second definition, which is um, of this word, which is more like what the Portuguese definition is. It says, especially of success in sport, easily achieved and effortless. You can imagine perhaps the people saying to Jesus, Jesus, you're being facile. And them meaning, you're just oversimplifying, you don't understand, things are a lot more complex than that. And him, and him going, yeah, yeah, facile, that's right. Easy, yeah. Effortless. Every underdog story is, is, is a, a story of, of a, a facile victory. It's something that, that comes and no one seems to expect it. No one seems to think it's possible after the fact, all the commentators are, are analyzing and going, yeah, yeah, of course that happened because of this and that. But no one believed it was possible before it happened. And yet somehow an effortless victory comes about. There's a reality that Jesus knows, a relation that he knows to his father, that everything changes. The way that the world is understood changes. In fact, God has always been this. This is not a change that comes. God has always revealed that this is who he is in every situation with his children all throughout the Bible. I don't know if you've ever wondered why they don't make more movies out of Bible stories. Like, there's some pretty epic Bible stories. There's such, there's, there's such good content there. Um, I'd always ask myself that question, like, they just need to make more really great, big budget, um, Hollywood, Bible, you know, Bible story movies. And I think I realize why they don't is, it's actually because they're, they're really, in one sense, anticlimactic. In the sense that there's, there's a lot of hammed up impossibility, and then in an instant, God shows up, and then there's no problem at all. Do you know what I mean? It's like you can't really make a movie out of it. There's no like really hard fought and hard won victory. It's like there's, there's hardness and hardship and suffering and then God's on the scene and everything's good. It's a beautiful picture. You just can't make a movie out of it. Moses with the, with the children of God at the, at the Red Sea. They've just come out of Egypt. God, God has shown his power, shown his glory, shown his love for his children and they're, they're up against it, and, and it's all impossibility. And, and God says to Moses, stop talking and, and just walk into the water, as if that's normal. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, how is Moses meant to know? Oh, okay, right, yeah, just walk into the water and then, and then everything's just going to split and I'm going to walk straight through it. There's a knowledge of God that in the instant where he's known, problems cannot be problems in the light of who he is anymore. They can't stand against him. Jesus does this countless times as people come to him, as, as nature rages around him. He does this beautiful thing where he, he looks up to heaven. It's as if, as if he sees his father, and then as he sees his father, everything is okay again. And when he, when he, when he sees the problem, he looks up, everything's, he, he, he encounters, he knows his father, and he looks back down, and, and, and the whole landscape is different. My dad used to tell us the, the David and Goliath story like this. He would say that um, everyone, as, as Goliath would come out every day and taunt the Israelites, everyone would say, he's too big, he's too big. It would, it would grip them with fear. It would, it would be a burden to them to even see the guy. They'd run at his voice. He's too big. This is a dad joke, by the way, coming up so bear with me. So dad would say, this is what it looks like for David. David comes on the scene and he says the same thing. He says, he's too big to miss. He's too big to miss. How is it possible that with just two little words at the end of the exact same sentence, everything is different? Nothing's changed in the outward. Goliath is still there. Goliath is still saying the same words. He hasn't grown smaller. He's just as big. And yet with the eyes that have encountered God, with the eyes that have looked up to heaven and known the heavenly Father, the world is different. Whether it be walking through water or on water, the normal laws do not apply. Jesus gives himself as the word of God to us, as the entry, as the gate, as the, as the, the, the one who makes effective our childship, the reality of us being children of God. It means everything for us to be a child of God that it meant for Jesus. It means nothing less to be a child of God. And yet I, I, I know I, the last thing we can do is come and, and push the problem out of the picture to, to live a life of, of sort of self-denial or, or um, um, yeah, denying, denying reality, looking at at the problem and going, well, let's just pretend the problem doesn't exist. You can't do that. Goliath is still there for David. He, he's, not, he's not invisible. He's not, you know, David doesn't have to do some sort of mental trick where, where he pretends that Goliath isn't there. There can be a wrestle in our hearts as we, as we hear these words. These are not my words. I, I I don't, I, don't, I don't seek to stir, stir the pot. I know that, that for, for individuals and for families and for, for particular people, um, you may be going through some very hard 
things at this very moment. You may have experienced incredible difficulties in the past that, that, that has left, left you with, with baggage and trauma and, and hard things that you're still dealing with. I, I, I'm not diminishing that at all. I long to speak the very words of Christ, the Spirit, that is an invitation to know something that is so far beyond what we've experienced, so far beyond what we think is reality, what we've, what we've believed to be the fundamental truth in our lives and, and in this world. Jesus is inviting us to know his Father as our Father, for you to encounter him, for you to know his presence in such a way that, that there, there's, a, there's a verse in the Psalms that says when God speaks, the mountains melt. There's a picture that where, where he's shown for who he truly is, fear cannot be there, fear cannot stand, problems cannot stand. There can only be thanksgiving, a spirit of thanksgiving, not, not conjuring up something, not, not a focusing on something else and ignoring problems. It's not that. It's an abundance. It's an overflow. It's a reality that, that, that outweighs everything else. It's an invitation. It's not just words to be heard it's something to be known, something to experience, something that, 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 that is to be enjoyed. Perhaps life is a, is a burden. Perhaps, perhaps you, um, maybe not everywhere, maybe there's, maybe there's spaces of joy, but, but there are real places of burden in your life. Maybe there's, there's things that, that are weighing on you even now, that feel not like what Jesus is saying, not like the ease of, of, of seeing the birds, of seeing the flowers being clothed. I, I, I want you to know, I, I can't give that to you. Words, words may last for a time, even our own words to ourselves, convincing ourselves that, that, that things are, are different or that things will, um, that, that we can overcome things. Perhaps we can talk to ourselves um, for a number of times, but reality gets the better of us. And in the end, we become people who define everything by complexity. Our, our, our experience we would say, proves that things cannot be easy, that, that the life we live here just has to be by the sweat of our brow. It's, it's just the state of things. And yet Jesus is speaking a word for you to know your heavenly Father, an invitation for you not to worry, not to try not to worry, but in the encountering of him to not have worry. There's a, there's a beautiful um, verse in, in Deuteronomy that, that talks about the children of God as they, as they come to him. This is the word over them. Uh, all of these blessings that, that God is wanting to reveal. And he says, 
all of these things will come to pass if you, if, if you, if you obey me, if you, if, you, if you come to see who I am and you hold me above all things and you don't run off and serve other gods, you don't run off and take other things as reality, you don't run off and, and see things in, in the way that the rest of the world does, if you hold me at the center this is what things look like. There's a beautiful, um, this beautiful verse that talks about problems, enemies, what, what enemies look like. It talks about all of the, the enemies, in one sense, coalescing, becoming, becoming one. And, and in that sense, that might bring fear. Rather than a whole heap of little problems, it's as if all the, the problems become superimposed into one massive problem. All, all the enemies coming from one direction. And this is, this is what the verse says in Deuteronomy 28. It says, The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. There's a totality there that, that you can imagine in the encountering God in this way, you cannot but live as a child. You cannot but live in, in the enjoyment of who God is, in the safety and security of who he is, in the fullness of who he is. You cannot fully be yourself, free, until you know him in this way. And so this evening, there's, there's nothing for you to do to attain. There's no response that is going to give this to you. This stands and, and is being communicated to you. This is Jesus' very words. This is the Spirit speaking to you of, of truth, a truth of who God is and your relation to him. And his word to us is just to be still. Perhaps there's stuff in your heart, perhaps there's stuff in your mind that's, that, that, that feels like it can't believe, that feels like the reality of, of life is more real than this picture, more real than these words. That's fine, that's fine. You, you don't have to try and battle that out and to, to try and make this more real yourself. There's just an invitation to be still, and to know that he is God. Allow him. With, with anything in your heart that yearns for that, to know the fullness of being a child of God, with anything, just be still there in that place. Turn to him. Allow him to speak to you, to reveal himself to you. The totality of who he is, undiminished, unhindered by any problems. Of course that's who God is. And he's that for you. So as we continue in worship, um, just be still in your heart. Sing, sing the words. If, if, if the gratitude is flowing, if the thanksgiving is flowing, if, if, if the picture of God is rising up in your heart, sing, sing in that, in that gratitude. If there's the turmoil, just be still there. Sing Open up your heart to him.
Let him know that you need him. You need that, the reality of, of the children of God. It's the one thing that he's doing, that he's working for. He never stops working for that, for the revelation of his children. In fact, every problem that you have, every problem you've encountered, every situation that you're currently in, whether it's good, whether it fills you with joy, whether it fills you with burden, is all there for in an instant for you to know him and to be at peace. It's what he wants to do. It's what he's longing to do, working to do. And he will do it. Let me pray. Father, you are good. Your love reaches to the heavens. Your presence is in all places. There's nowhere where you're not. There's no situation you're not in. You're close, closer than we could ever imagine. And the very words of Christ to us is, with eyes to see you, all would be well. We long to know that, not only as individuals, but as a community, that we would run as children in the fullness of your delight, in the fullness of your abundance, and that others would only see an invitation to that very same thing, that there is nothing in Christ restricting them from knowing the very same. Oh, Father, may we know that. May our invitation to others be spirit and truth, not just words and systems and things that we say to people, but just the joy and delight in you and your presence. Thank you that your word to us is that your name, your very nature is a strong tower the righteous run into it and are safe. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.